You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. And Mary, this happens occasionally that we have to begin with an apology. I have to begin with one uh, now yesterday. I said with great confidence, great sureness, that uh, the Democratic um, House managers should not open with a video of uh, the events that happened. Uh, Instead, they should use video or film of a historical perspective. I had some absolute lunatic idea. And after watching the video on the presentation yesterday, I was wrong. They did the right thing. The video that they began with and the rest of their presentation was spot on perfect. And so to Congressman Jamie Raskin, uh, I'm not certain if you're a a daily listener here to Sibling Talk, but I want to say I'm sorry. I know. I love that about you, John. (laughs) When you texted me, you go, well, I was really wrong about that. (laughs) But, you know, I, as you and I have talked about, I've always thought they cannot lose the emotional piece of what happened because you could, you know, um, just do this as a very antiseptic legal kind of case, especially yesterday where you really were talking, really supposed to be exclusively the jurisdictional issue, but that I think would have missed the point that... Um, because the Senate makes the decision on its jurisdiction and it's a legal trial, but it's also a political trial that to miss the opportunity to set the stage and own the narrative would have been a big oversight. And wow, they owned the narrative and that video, which I thought was a little longer, but I heard this morning was 13 minutes was very well done. It wasn't too flashy. And I also heard this morning that it was put together by a law firm, not a marketing company. So um, I thought it was really well done in, I didn't know you called those TikTok videos, but in the minute by minute, Trump was saying this, and this is what was happening in the Capitol at exactly the same time. And that was super effective because I think most people, even a lot of um, the senators who were, um, interviewed after the fact said they didn't realize there's a first time that that had been shown. Yeah. Wasn't that striking? That's the comment I heard uh, most as senators were interviewed was while we were really taken by the timeline, uh, we were in the middle of it, but we just didn't know how that was. And, and I got to tell you, I had the same reaction and I followed things pretty closely, but when you put that on a timeline, which of course, you know, Thinking in terms of it was a law firm uh, uh, that did it, that may well be the kind of thing you would do in a court. We have to understand all these different events fit together in a particular form. And it's really crucial when your argument is not just there was an invasion of the Capitol. Your argument is there was an invasion of the Capitol and it was incited by Donald Trump. And not just a couple of words in that first speech that he continued 
to move these people along. He continued to tweet about Mike, Mike Pence. He continued, even after the invasion had happened, to talk about what great people they were and how much he loved them. I think the video was, was absolutely crucial. And I do not agree that it was theater or love of a blood sport or any of these other things. I thought it was uh, done rationally, clearly, and it was an important setup. Sure, because it was, you know, and that whether they'll show it again or not, I don't know. And whether they need to show it again, I don't know. But it was the um, the factual presentation of the timeline. Now, it was interesting because we watched it in real time. And I, even watching it in real time, and there were split screens and all of that, it, it didn't... Um, I I don't remember knowing, although I, I do remember thinking about this, and I think we even were texting about this, like, there's more to this. Something else is happening here than just a random, we're going to the Capitol. But when you see it like that, you can see that there were people already poised to do that, whether Trump knows that. I think we're going to find that out in the next couple of days, what Trump knew. But the other thing is, I, um, you know how they say that journalism is the first draft of history? Emphasis on the word draft, because one of the things the video showed yesterday is how journalists had gotten it wrong. Didn't mean wrong, like, because they were incompetent, but how when you start to put the pieces together again, it's like, oh, my gosh, this happened again. I mean, I, what I didn't realize that Trump was still speaking while people started to move toward the No, Capitol. you and I are together. That was a surprise. Yeah, I did not me. know that till yesterday. And so that kind of stuff I thought was really compelling. And and Jamie Raskin, I mean, who could watch him and not just feel so much empathy for him. It's so powerful, his his own personal backstory about his son, burying his son the day before, and then about his son-in-law and daughter being there. Um, I thought they did a great job. And, <laughs> and then, you know, I'm just going to segue into that other clown show, which was something else you and I were texting all the way, like, what the heck is this guy doing? It was funny and embarrassing and sad all at the same time. Yeah, all at the same time. It it was incredible. And, I, you know, focusing on that, but I, I want to kind of tie up on the house managers. If the house managers had only shown the video beautifully produced and told Jamie Raskin's story, that would have been a good emotional presentation. But that's not the whole only thing. They made a totally clear, cogent argument, constitutional argument, on why this trial can go forward. It's absolutely clear. And when we got to Bruce Castor and David Schoen, who I loved hearing, uh, and I, I can't tell you for certain who said this, which uh, uh, pundit said, apparently Trump is being represented by the law firm of meandering and furious. <laughs> it might have been. Might have, oh, yeah, that is so yeah awesome. might have been Michael Gerson. I can't take uh, credit for that. 
and they were so terrible. But, you know, before we just, and it would be easy to say, well, you know, these two guys really blew it. Trump actually puts them in that position. Remember, they got this case. And, you know, I know you're a lawyer. You've handled big cases. You've worked on them for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, months perhaps. Now, we have somebody handling the case of the impeachment of the president, president of the United States, ex-president of the United States. They got the case last week. You know? How much work could you do? Yeah. And we even know from Castor, he stands up. Who does this and says, wow, man, uh, the House of Impeachment, damn, you guys did a great job. You were, you did such yeah. a great job. We just changed our old case over here. We moved it around, and I'm going to go first, and he's going to go go second. I, I know I, I was comparing to this as we were texting back and forth. These two guys look to me like a high school debate team. And at the last minute, they said, oh, no, you go pro. Uh, you know, I'll do the rebuttal after that. Uh, that was that was frankly really embarrassing. You know, they and not all lawyers are created equal. Right. It's like somebody one of the texts or um, Twitter things I wrote, it's like, Oh, now why did I ever think that taking the bar was a big thing? <laughs> you know, it's like what all lawyers know. But there's a difference between, you know, somebody who's playing basketball in the European League and someone who plays for the Lakers. You know, there's not all people have the same level of skill, and that's true with lawyers as well. So you could see that yesterday there was a preparation issue, which was not all those guys' fault. But they also had never played on that level of, you know, on that kind of stage. And so I thought to myself, if Trump had called me and said, can you do it? I'd say, hey, listen, I, that's not my thing. You know, I'm not that good to be able to stand up there and counter the arguments of Jamie Raskin, who is a very professional and practiced lawyer and who also speaks in front of those types of bodies. It's not a courtroom even. So being a good courtroom lawyer is not the same as being somebody who can present in front of the Senate of the United States. I mean, I always thought that about um, uh, Shifty yeah. Shift. You know, I mean, that dude, and he had been a U.S. attorney that was, he was just amazing, his presentation skills, everything. So I think it's a, it was a little unfair to Castor and Schoen, but it also says something about their egos that they thought they could play on the stage. It reminded me of this weird little conversation I had. Remember way back when McCain picked Sarah right. Palin and this, this woman I knew who was very egotistical. And I said, she's not qualified. You can't put her in that job. And she goes, well, you're smart. Don't you think you could be VP? And I burst out laughing. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> I don't care how smart I am. There, You have to have experience. You have to have a certain kind of personality. So just being a lawyer does not make you qualified. And it was so obvious in Castor's presentation. Because what might work in you know a, a small courthouse in Pennsylvania like well, you know, my honored colleague did a really awesome job, and I'm going to be honest with you, 
does not work at an impeachment trial for the ex-president of the United States. It's no wonder that Trump was mad. He owns it. It's his fault they're in that situation. But I expected, and the reporting is, that he was losing his stuff. But well, the- and he, sh- he should be. I, I don't want to push this high school debater thing too far. But, you know, when people are under stress and they had to get this thing done, any people, they fall back on things they know, things they've done done before, do what you do well. I swear these guys fell back on high school including, remember that high school teacher said, well, what really helps, include like a poem. That's always good to put yeah. a poem uh, there. Even if the poem has nothing to do with what you're saying. I'm surprised he didn't lay a little Emily Dickinson in <laughs> into the middle. What's funny you said about Sean, because he was better, but he wasn't good. No. He was better no. than Castor, but he wasn't good. So... But, you know, I want to go back to something you said about the House managers. I think it's a really significant issue, which is they went to, in their legal argument, the text of the Constitution. And they did a great job saying, you know, this is the exact text. This is what the the, uh, founders thought. This is the constitutional um, instructions for us in this situation. And it's so ironic because that's the conservative legal principle that has packed the courts, that has convinced everybody else. You know, it's the Scalia way of looking at the world. And it only goes to show, John, what hypocrites the Republicans are when they could not even bring themselves to vote for the, for the legal reasoning that has been the underpinning of all their court appointments. It would not have made a difference for them to go ahead and switch their votes and vote to allow for jurisdiction because it was going forward one way or another. And the only principled guy there who did that was Cassidy. And do you know that this uh, Louisiana, he's Louisiana, I think, yeah. Louisiana Republican Party then issues a statement, you know, like you are dead to us, basically. So it just goes to show they never cared about originalism. I always thought that. And now yesterday yeah. proved it. Yeah, absolutely right. And this is, I mean, there are important legal parts, which you're outlining there. Uh, there's kind of a, uh, just a, a personal thing that's grating on me that we are told, uh, I think on reliable reporting, that when the video played, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, uh, Tom Cotton, uh, I'm forgetting one of these, Ron Johnson, looked at their shoes, doodled, played on their phone, looked away. They just visibly were not going to look at that that at all. I Actually, I guess I'm glad you guys did it. Show to the world, it's just a shame that the uh, cameras in the Senate did not show that this is what you care about the fact that uh, people were killed, that people were put in danger, that our democracy was threatened. But you're like a sophomore in high school. Oh, no, it just bores me. I just don't want to see this this stuff. That is hideous. I, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but I hope that Ivanka Trump runs and beats 
Marco Rubio. <laughs> we have to end because we're out of time. But what better way to end than that? And what oh. an, uh, a fun day it's going to be for us today. Absolutely. We just ended on another creep. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're creeping again, John. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.